This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tecova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovas.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. Welcome to the Whitetail Legacy Podcast. And we get the back view of him. And I mean, it's just a mega. 52 yards is a long shot. Uh, Magnum P.I. is what yeah. we named him. No idea. Just but, a magnum. Yeah, just a magnum. Come on, Cam Ashi. We, we said probably 150, mid 150. Yeah. Same Doe from the morning come out with that nine pointer. Here, here steps out this 90 inch eight pointer. Like, <laughs> yeah. Ah. I'm like, okay, well, there's still a buck back there grunting. Yeah. And then out steps like another 90 inch eight yeah. pointer. I'm like, oh, all right. Yeah. Bro. Yeah. Bro. Yeah. You're like, I'm like, deer, right there. Yeah. Like, and he's 30 already yards. 30 yards. Yeah. He, he was literally five yards from the base of the tree. Could have been at a buck down at 1.40 in the afternoon back there deep on public. Three does come out pretty early. It was like 2.45, 24-yard shot, sent the combat veteran. And I tell you what, man, dude, it just smoked. We always get so jacked up when the other person kills. It's just almost like we got it done. Yeah. And when you kill that doe, I was like, hell yeah, man. We come down here to Missouri. My ass Comey one more time. I'm like, is it a good buck? And he goes, yeah, real good, solid buck. I'm like, all right, boom. <laughs> and the deer just drops. Sure. Super special to me. Whitetail Legacy Podcast, bringing you back to the hunt and leaving a legacy. Baller rut. Welcome to the Whitetail Legacy Podcast, coming in your ear holes, 200 episodes deep in those things. Did you just say 200, <laughs> like we actually know what episode number we're on for one time? Yes. <laughs> 200 episodes deep in the ear holes, coming at you. Uh, number 200, and me and homie are going to come at you together tonight. I'm laid out on the new love seat <laughs> in the studio, out here making love to myself on this thing. thing is fire. <laughs> Jeez. homie's down in the dungeon yes uh homie's been putting a hell of a grind in recording these episodes been 
been having to be at work at 3.30, so he's been out here really putting in some work, getting this stuff made up. It's been a- the series is coming, guys, that we've been hitting, and it is it is it's solid. That's what I'm going to say. I'm really happy with how it's turning out. We're putting a lot of back-end work on that, so these episodes have been coming out live. So this week, um, we've been getting a lot. I think we got like 13 trail cam pictures today. Um, we've been getting a lot of pictures, guys talking, everybody's pulling cams, getting excited for the season. Um, had a couple about how to hunt a nocturnal buck. I think it's something that's talked about, something that we've had to do damn near every year mm-hmm. we've been together hunting and got it done and seen the target deer every year. So um, we're getting the people that make this possible and get in the show. Uh, let's start off with last breath. Yeah, guys, I've uh, been talking about this a couple weeks, and season seven is here. Uh, we're going to kick it off this Saturday morning with uh, Garrett's elk trip out to Colorado last year. And uh, did I say elk? Okay. Uh, yeah. yeah, his elk his elk trip from last year um, shoots a beautiful bull, and um, that's going to be available for you guys to enjoy your Saturday morning with. So pretty solid start. Uh, it'll be out on, on YouTube there, and uh, be sure to give a subscribe so you can catch the rest of the season coming at you. Yeah, I'm excited for that. I haven't got to see it, like we said, so yeah. it'll be first time me seeing it too, so I'm pretty jacked to see his trip unfold out there. We got to see a few Snapchats, but nothing really major. Yep, and they did um, a he did a little Last Breath Live um, that they put out last year when he was actually out there. And uh, other than that, man, it's going to be all fresh. Yep. All right, I got Exodus. Um, Exodus Trail Cam Tip of the Week, guys. Um, everybody's moving those cameras to the fall range and putting them on scrapes. Um, something that we've noticed on the scrapes is do not put that cam directly on the tree that the scrape is on. Try to hide it a little bit better than you normally do. Um, we noticed that less deer were using the scrape once we put the camera on it. Uh, I don't know if that's something that a lot of people have noticed, but I know, like, uh, Moose, he elevates his on scrapes and mm. shoots them down, like, on the opposite tree. I think that's an excellent idea where that deer has no idea there's anything there that's different. He's going into that scrape. We moved the cam back away from the scrape and got way more pictures than we did when it was actually directly on the tree that the scrape was on. So I think that's an excellent tip, you guys. You're going to be moving your cam. So try to think of how you could maybe hide that cam a little bit better so those deer are pinpointing that camera. Um, and Black Rifle, guys. Code Whitetail Legacy gets you 20% off um, any order there, gear, coffee, or the coffee club. Is that it? That's it. All right, that's it. Let's get into it. All right, homie. Uh, what you got? You started off. What you got over there? I'm going to let my dog out. It keeps running around chasing <laughs> flies. Hell of background noise. So, oh, just so everybody knows, I leaf blowed the podcast room and eliminated every cricket in this son of a gun. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, I see. It might have been two weeks ago we had, the, we had the cricket join in on the podcast here. And uh, when we talked last week with Heath, Cody said before we started recording that he got the cricket out. So uh, we did have some messages about that. Some people were saying he's probably the most probably knowledgeable the person most on this show. Probably the most knowledge that's ever been spit on this show <laughs> no. from that cricket. <laughs> uh, so we're going to talk about uh, hunting bucks that show up on cam that are nocturnal. And 
we have, you know, a handful of bucks every year, whether it's on public or private, that we got to go after. And we haven't yet to see them in daylight as far as being on cam when season rolls around. Uh, in Hardhorn, I mean, we'll get them in velvet in daylight, and that's nothing. I feel like that's not an accomplishment there. But getting them in daylight in Hardhorn um, after that September 15th, you know, cutoff, we'll say, I feel like then you got a really good shot of, you know, trying to get on that deer and get him daylight on your property. So, but if you don't have that buck on um, day, in daylight up to season, like you're just going to have to really go over some things and hunt when the odds are in your favor. And what I kind of... What I kind of like to do is put a cutoff of like three hours after sunset is like when I would say he's nocturnal when he's on cam. If he's showing up within that three hour of sunset range, I feel like he's close and we got a pretty good shot at him. Um, and I We had that video last year, I think. Yeah, video last year of Westside at three in the morning until 3.30 of just straight continuous video and he moved about four feet and it was like October 12th and he just was sitting there eating this bush he was standing he was eating this bush literally doing nothing so he's not moving very far I don't know the temperature exactly on the exact trail cam videos that was sent but um I feel like if they're in that three hour range you're not gonna have to really bread trail him back as, as you know what everybody kind of calls it is, is having a camera that he's on and then having camera b that you know maybe it's you're in a that cam's in a dry spot or something just not getting much activity on it and you're going to pull that camera b and move it back um you know however far you think i don't know if if you got a couple of trails that come to one trail where camera a is at or if uh, you got a creek crossing down there that's farther back in the timber um if you want to put it on the edge of doe bedding or something like that or where you think this buck is potentially bedding um that's kind of how you go about it and then say you get them on camera b so now you have them on a and b so now you're going to put camera c even back farther deeper and keep trying to get back farther and eventually you'll hopefully get on him in daylight um this is something that we have done quite a bit and something that uh we continuously talk about because getting that buck in daylight is a huge deal late September, early October, and you just got to get in really tight on them and hopefully not bump them when you go into setup. So that's yeah, kind and, of... And, and sometimes when you're moving those cams, you don't have to move them much. Like Magnum, we had 3 a.m., 12 p.m., 9 p.m., and then 100 yards away, we had them at 9 in the morning, daylight. Right. So... A lot of people think, man, this, you know, every deer is a little bit different. That's, you know, that's what everybody says, but you kind of got to shotgun pattern some cams in that area if you're serious about this buck. And uh, that's the best way I think to do it. It's kind of put them, you know, you, you kind of got a direction to travel on the one cam that you keep getting them on nocturnal. That kind of just shotgun pattern some behind there. Maybe it's on a scrape. Maybe, like you said, it's a creek crossing. Maybe it's, a pinch, maybe it's a couple of trails coming together and hopefully you can get that buck going back. But 
I think it's really hard to decide whether that buck is I'm close to him or he's a mile away. Like there's a really hard line. We've seen where bucks have been, you know, hitting scrapes at nighttime on field edges. Mm-hmm. I feel like that's something that we need to talk about. I feel like if a buck is hitting scrape at nighttime, at midnight to three, somewhere in there, I feel like that buck is pretty far away, living pretty far away. I agree. If he's hitting that scrape at 8.39, he's probably fairly close. But if he, if you keep getting him year, even year after year, and he's midnight to 3, 4, 5 a.m., I feel like you're a long ways away from that deer. But the only way to figure it out is to kind of scatter those cams around, and we call it bread trailing. You're trying to bread trail this deer back. You got a direction of travel. You're trying to bread trail him back. And sometimes it might be a slight move. Sometimes it might be a huge move. That's something that you you got to kind of think about your land and what you got. And you know, sometimes if you're hunting anywhere and it's close to the fence, even public or private, you can only go to the fence. You know, but if you get him back to that fence and he's still nocturnal, you know that there's a good chance the steer's just not daylighting on your ground. Mm-hmm. And we've we've had that happen where, like freeze, he just didn't daylight on our ground. You know, it just he just wasn't there. He just ran out of room. Yeah. Uh, real life scenario. Oh. Go ahead. Go ahead. Oh, I was just gonna say a real life scenario uh, that we had <clears throat> last year was when we were trying to pinpoint Magnum. We thought we were trying to move into a summer range and uh we, we found the giant typical that we keep talking about and uh that was right on the field edge uh it was like early july and we thought this was you know a it was a giant deer so we literally spent the better half of the late summer moving these cameras around in a 150 yard radius of this first camera that we got him on and we had one, two, three, five cameras in this 150-yard radius trying, and we had some moving back in a, in a line of travel that we thought he was coming out of, and we had some off to the, to the side, to the east, that he could have potentially been using to go through, and that was based off of a water source pinch, and... Um, we didn't get. We never got him on the water source pinch, but we did pick him up farther back in the timber or in the in the brush, and we felt like we were getting closer to that deer. And then that set us up for a couple hunts on the back side of that, um, with no camera intel back there. But it's only you know it's just deeper in trying to get around on the back side of him if he was going to backdoor us because he was only on camera, obviously. Um, at night yeah i mean so that was five cams within 175 yards and we only had them on three mm-hmm. so that just shows you you can think this deer is nocturnal and or he's not in the area but you can be off feet and not get this get a picture of a deer trail cameras are a huge tool but you can't depend on them solely so we talked about bread trailing we talked about slightly moving some cams um we talked about the field edge scrapes. I feel like if you're getting a buck on, on cam on a field edge, you can bread trail that deer back. But I feel like if it's in that time frame, he's, you know, he's pretty far. So 
Um, what, what, what would you say? Would you say the like the cutoff I have is three hours? Would you say you're about in that same general area? Yeah, I would say depends on the time of the year for me. Like if it's early season, uh, I would say three hours. You're pretty close. I would feel you're getting fairly close. Um, you know, if it's late season, I feel like you're pretty you're pretty far away. You know. Um, I feel like they're getting up earlier and moving late season mm-hmm. kind of more in that straight pattern. And the rut, it's really hard to say. Nocturnal pictures are just kind of a shot in the dark to let you know that that buck's in the area. Right. Um, you know, pre-rut is different, though. I feel like if you're three hours away off pre-rut, you're maybe pretty far. It, and it com- comes back to, you know, the weather conditions like we're going to talk about in a little bit. But uh, so we talked about, you know, we want to we want to talk about some things that you can do to have an opportunity at this deer that we do and been successful for but first we want to talk about the number one thing that you have to decide and you have to decide if this deer is big enough or cool enough or important enough for you to target him if you got all your resources on this deer and he's nocturnal and you got no daylight pictures of him you could literally never see this deer like it could be a one a one time deal, you come through and you never see him again. So you have to decide what you're gonna do. And we've heard stories just like the giant from Ohio last year mm-hmm. had a couple of nighttime pictures of him and then end up killing him in the rut. You know, just going in there on a whim. But it's definitely lower odds than something that is close to daylight or daylight. You know, you still got to get in there and make a move. Steer deer still got to be there, but. I feel like your chances are way lower. So that's something you need to decide early. You only get so many days to hunt. You got to decide, am I going to hunt this deer or I'm going to try to find something different or go out for a different buck? Would you say that's like the number one choice you got to make? Yeah, because, I mean, we've all had deer like this that, you know, we get a giant buck in the, you know, whether it's pre-rut or rut that we get on camera at 2 a.m. And then all of a sudden that deer's on top of your mind. And yeah, you know he was on that property right in front of that camera, but uh, just like you said, your chances are really low, and, I mean, shit, crazy shit does happen out there. I mean, don't get me wrong there, but after about the fifth hunt, you're going to feel like you're starting to maybe waste some hunts because you only get November 13th one time a year. Regardless if it's 80 degrees or 35, you only get one time. you only get one day a year man like and i know last year we started off with a couple really good hunts and we had some bucks on the fringe of daylight like that camera's in like the gray mode you know it's not it's not black but it's not daylight and um we started off with really good hunts that were um high odds and you know after a couple times of not being successful you're like okay you know we need to switch it up or something And, and that's something that can you know that's where the mental side of hunting comes in that um, I really embraced the last four years is trying to just stick to a game plan and um, endure the endure the grind, as everybody says. So um, just got to weigh it out, man, because them days fly by. Yeah, you know, I mean, you don't want to be going in on a giant on a whim when you know that this pinch back here is solid this time of year. Yeah. You know, it, it's a decision that you have to make. But uh, – the, the nocturnal bucks, I think that is literally one of the hardest bucks to kill. 
like a traveling buck it's hard to kill like a, a, a deer that has a giant home range it's hard to kill but if you're in a high pressure area um, you know on public or even high pressure private where your neighbors hunt a lot you're in there with other guys hunting and you got a deer that's just pretty much 100 percent nocturnal it's really it's going to be really hard to kill that deer unless you get in the rut and you know something happens crazy or you know gun season comes around and he, more people out there and he starts pushing them so they're just harder to kill in general you know other than a deer that's edging daylight or you know is daylight not on a pattern but it's just daylight every now and then you got a couple pictures of them of the year in daylight in an area you can use that intel but the number one thing i'm going to be looking for is if i'm going to be if i am going to choose that i'm going to target this this buck um weather is going to be pretty much my number one to start with when when i'm going to actually believe that i have a chance at this deer you know a lot of people say cold fronts um cold fronts are great but rainstorms is another thing that we've been finding out over the past couple years you get a rainstorm just like tonight at football practice you get that wind blowing in then the wind switches Mm -hmm. there's something about that wind switch after a front comes through and you know after it rains it it feels nice out it's kind of the humidity's down it's cool and there's something about that time that gets these bucks up moving so I know you've killed right after a rainstorm. I've killed right after a rainstorm you know, in October. And I feel like that's a tactic that's kind of overlooked because people say all oh, cold front. You got a you know, front moving in before and after the front. People are thinking snow or a front could be could be could be 85 and it goes down to 79. Like that's it could that could be the front that you can kill the steer. You know, if the rain comes in, it cools down, the wind switches. Um, and that deer's edge in daylight, I, I would feel really comfortable going in there and risking it. Um, I think that they can smell a little, they think they could smell a little better when there's that moisture on the ground. Cause you can even smell better when you go in the woods, yeah. you smell the musk, like the leaves, you know, and, but you're quieter going in, you could set up better. If you set up in the rain or when it's, you know, it's windy after the front, you get set up, you can get set up easy sneak in there and you can get really close to these deer where you think they're at. Um, another thing that I'm thinking about is I want, if I'm going to bank on going in there and after a nocturnal buck, I got to have a really good idea of where I think this deer is betting. I don't need a hundred percent idea of he's right there. I know he's going to be right there. I need a general idea of, okay, he's, he's edging nocturnal here on my cam but I believe he's bedding back here. So I'm going to try to get in between there somewhere. Cause I still feel like if you got the right situation with the wind and the rain, you can get pretty close. You can get on them deer a lot closer than you normally can. And that would be a time that I'd be willing to push back in there and, and give it a shot. Um, but you do, when you do do that, you have to be aware of that wind switch because you'd be going in and the wind's perfect but after that front comes through and it cools down, that wind is going to change. The thermals are going to be pulling down hard. It's going to be cooler after that rain. Um, because, like, right now, it's beautiful outside. It was kind of warm at practice mm-hmm. today. That wind came in, and now it's absolutely gorgeous, cool outside. And the, my mobile cams are going off like crazy right now uh, when we're podcasting. So I know those deer are out moving. Um, 
you got anything else to throw in on that? Yeah, another thing to look for. Um, I've been I picked this up on jury about three years ago, and it's something that I kind of wanted to pay attention to. Um, they say when it's been like cloudy and kind of dismal for like two three days, and then it goes to sunny and nice and clear. And even even as a human, like you just feel better when it's nice and sunny. The birds are out chirping. You just feel better, and I think the deer do too. Um, this is something that I've noticed just as, as it was brought to my attention from them. Something that I try to pay attention to, and I and I see it like it, just through cameras or whether if I'm out hunting. Um, when it's been cloudy or kind of shitty, little mist and rain just continuously, and then it goes to sunny, nice, clear you know, a five, 10 mile an hour, nice wind, uh, that's consistent. Them deer are more likely to be up moving and, um, I haven't killed off of that, but I've just seen, I've had really good hunts, uh, when it's just a nice bluebird day. I think that's with everything. I know that when I'm dove hunting, um, and it's kind of rainy and nasty a couple of days and you get that first nice day, the birds just fly incredible, you know? And, yeah. And I, I've, I'm the same with you. I feel like there's something to that too, where there's, there's an actual some low pressure, foggy, nasty days. And then you get that first bluebird day, the pressure rises. And, uh, most of the time that first nice day is after the fronts all the way out. You get the pressure rising. And I do believe it, it, uh, does get them up on their feet. So when people say, you know, hunt the fronts they're not always talking about a cold front i feel like that's the first thing that comes to mind it could be like you said it could be nasty and then the front's out now you want to hunt the back of the front that first nice day or you know hunt the back of a a rainstorm front um there's definitely something about that weather switch i don't know if it's a wind thing or what it is but there's something about when the weather changes dramatically Mm -hmm. deer move yeah, and the more I talk to a lot of people like Justin and Heath, the more that they love the back end of hunting those fronts more, almost more so than the front of them. Yeah, I, I've had more luck at the back end. I've had no luck during the front. I've been out in some absolute brutal, nasty conditions, even during the rut, and had no luck at all. Like people say, you know, heavy rain or, you know, heavy snow. I just have had no luck during that. And I've set through some blizzards. Last year, I set through all that rain during the rut mm. on Boonertown. You know, it was heavy rain and just there's just nothing out there. And then so uh, two, it was two years ago. Yeah, it was two years ago. You sat through another nasty rain. Um might have been a day or two after I killed yeah. Sunshine. <laughs> you were absolutely yeah. because we were hunting like on up Sunday at evening. Oh, <laughs> uh, okay, yeah, that was brutal. It yeah. was like your shit was still just, soaked four like days a later. Misty, heavy, like heavy fog, mist, nasty day. Did see any deer? We were up there two days before. It was kind of nice out. Yeah, sunny, it, and we seen like eight deer. <laughs> that was on the front end of that front. Because yeah. we went yeah, out. Was, you hunted the morning, and then I we went out that night. Yeah, and I was hunting that that during the front, and it just wasn't wasn't going on. So I think I think they kind of hunker down a little bit during the front, and then after um, really go out to it. So that's my number one thing on these deer. Uh, my number two thing, and something that I think some deer is literally the only way to kill them is during the rut. 
you got a deer that's nocturnal and he's consistently nocturnal. Don't even have to be, it don't have to be every day. It could be every third day, every fourth day, you know. If he's consistently on your cams in an area and it is the rut, that is, you have a good chance to kill that deer in my mind. You have a good chance to see that deer. He might be nocturnal, but you're not getting him moving all the time. And all it takes is a doe to drag him. Those does don't bed, you know, during the rut, like, like the bucks like to do, you know, in October. They're up and moving. So just like, you know, just like freeze last year or magnum last year um 80 degrees you know mm-hmm. and if it would not have been the rut there's no way we would encounter that deer the year before if he wouldn't have been on a doe there's no way we would have encountered that deer mm-hmm. he just that deer was nocturnal and did not move a lot during daylight but he moved in ass load at nighttime because yeah. he knew he was safe right just like freeze, same thing. Another giant. The deer moves a lot at night. We got a lot of nighttime pictures of them working scrapes, moving, edging our stands. Daylight, no picks at all. You know, and you have to find a spot where, like freeze, we were in a pinch between where he liked to chase does and where he lived, where he liked to be. Where we knew the does were over here. We were hunting the center of that. Okay, this is this is our arrow. We think we could catch him in the rut. Freeze. We were hunting the pinch where we knew he was living on the neighbors. We were hunting him coming off the neighbors, edging, going into the other neighbors where all the does were. We knew kind of where his edge was. So I feel like you can kill him in the rut, but there's a certain area that that deer is going to be comfortable with. And a lot of times it's where you got nighttime pictures of him. He still knows that area. He's still cool with it. And just got to set up and and make the best of it and if you're going to risk it on a nocturnal buck that is in my opinion the best time to risk it and waste a hunt because in the rut if you're out in the woods i don't i feel like if it's october 5th and you're out in the woods and you got some bucks in the area but you don't have anything consistent and and then you went November 10th and went to a spot that you knew nothing about, I feel like your odds of killing November 10th are better than October 5th. Even if you got, you know, there's five shooters in this area. I still feel like going in November 10th, because you have the odds of bucks moving randomly through there and does moving around longer and more people out there hunting, bumping deer. The odds are just so much higher. And that's why you see so many more deer get killed in that time frame. So if you're going to risk it on a nocturnal buck, risk, you know, save it for the rut. That's my opinion, the best time to do it. Now saying that, that deer could get killed. We've experienced that. You know, you only get so many hunts at these deer and then the neighbor could kill them. Another guy in public could kill them. Just like Matt last year, you know, Mm -hmm. neighbor, neighbor killed a giant that they, they were trying to get on. He, He never seen that. The neighbor never seen that deer. He was in a weird spot on a doe, shouldn't have been there. That was, you know, the first time that dude, wasn't it the first or second that time that yeah. guy had been out? Yeah. You know, and and that stuff happens, and that's a risk you have to take if you do try to wait until the rut because deer do dumb stuff, you know. You got anything else over there? No, I just want to touch on something you said um, just 
like knowing if that deer is bedded on your property or not. This is where uh, we would run a trail camera on video mode to get a longer graph of intel to get for us as far as direction travel, where we think he's bedding. Um, get a little, maybe just like you said, we don't need to be 100% sure, but you know, a general quadrant is nice to have and i feel like if you get two to three cameras back in the timber deep um in the area that you can pick him up on you're going to have a better idea and it's going to be a little bit earlier and uh to see potentially where he's betting from and um just like you said cold fronts there um i'll skip that right now go ahead yeah i feel i i feel like if if you have those cams spread out, like you said, on a video mode, I feel like it's important. If you scouted your ground, you kind of have a general idea where you think he's bedded. If there is kind of an open oak timber, kind of like in freezes scenario, mm-hmm. we knew he wasn't bedded anywhere close for 400 yards because there's just nowhere for him to safely bed. Right. You can see 200 yards to the woods. It's not a good setup. It's low. It's low ground. But when you got onto the neighbor's side of the fence, really thick, low brushy ground, you know, up high ridges that he could bet on and feel secure. And you got, if you scout your ground, you can kind of have an idea. Okay. He's coming from this way. You know, it's not too far away. He's bedded back here. Now you have the option of if the conditions are right, you can throw a hunt on him or you can move a cam 200 yards in that what in that, you know, 200 yards in that direction. Throw up a mock scrape, boom, you get them 30 30 minutes earlier. Now you know, okay, I'm really I have a really good feeling he's bedded back here. Mm-hmm. And and we tried that on freeze. You know, we'd make a mock scrape. Remember, we made it like 100 yards further down. Okay, he's we went past that one. Now we know direction of travel. Direction of travel 100 yards doesn't seem like a lot but it is huge it's a massive chunk because you got to be you want to be 30 yards when you kill these deer Mm -hmm. so if you could take 100 yards off you know you're already 100 yards closer to being 30 yards from because i feel like a lot of times early season where we hunt deer could slip past us at 70 yards and we never know it's there yeah you know I mean, it's just too thick and there's too much leaves and something comes in behind you at 70 yards, 80 yards, you you don't have a chance to see it. But we don't hunt a lot of field edges. That's something that we do we don't really do. I I I don't I don't like I said, I don't think I've ever killed a buck on a field edge. You know? Mm-hmm. So it's not something that we do, but gaining that ground if you want to kill a nocturnal buck is huge. The more, the more you know about his direction to travel, the better your odds are. But if you if you ha- if you get that deer a couple hours, three hours after dark, you got the right conditions, and you want to throw a hunt in, I, I'd see nothing wrong with getting close to where you think that deer is bedding, and going in there and hunting. If if he's there, he's there. If he's not, you know you've you've went in, went in there and pressured an area, and now you got to get out. Cause that deer might be 20 minutes. You might be climbing down and you might bump that deer. So it's definitely a roll of the dice. You have to feel really confident to go in there and pressure 
these bucks. And that's something that we have not been really confident to do. Like, okay, it's October 10th. We're going in deep. We got a cold front. We're going in right on top of his bed. And cause we're always like, well, man, what if we bump him when we get down, you know? Mm-hmm. So, uh, I did that on sunshine though, went right in where, okay, Buck's going to be coming in here, bedding in the morning, went in there textbook, you know, he would, if he would have been the touch bigger, he'd have been a dead deer, you know? <laughs> yeah. but, and did the same thing in the evening. Okay. He didn't bed here. So what's the obvious next place he bedded somewhere up into the property. Let's get up on the North and we got him coming out of the bed. You were able to take him, you know? Mm-hmm. So, um, if you can get a visual on the deer, it's, it's so like, like I put that post up, you know, five trail cam pictures of one visual sighting working through a property. Yeah. I picked one, one visual all, all day. You yeah. just learn so much just more going back in that deer. Going back to what you're saying about like bread trailing and back a hundred yards. Just like you said, it doesn't seem like a lot, but I don't know how far the average hunter sees a big buck while he's hunting like is you know do, do you see him for 60 yards do you see him you know obviously it's going to be different yeah. about where you're hunting most of the time where we hunt um we see him we would see him for 40 to 60 yards on average i'll say yeah and um if you you're, can if you're on your if game you can double if you're on your that, game you're seeing yeah if you can double that yeah. off of a trail camera like it's huge and then plus if you put throw a sighting on top of that hundred yards that you gained, so now you're already 150 to 200 yards more on him. Yeah, more more I mean, in the that zone. Trail cam's, that trail cam's hunting for you 24 seven. You get a picture of him; he's still nocturnal. Well, that's a spot that you obviously thought you might set up at, so you just saved you a hunt by you going back and bread trail on that. No, now you know. Okay, I'm close, but I'm not on. I'm not at the spot I need to be. You know, I'm in the area, but I'm not at the spot. Just like, you know, Heath was saying, pick your spot, not your, you know, tree. Right. You got to be in the spot that you need to do it. And so I feel like that's something we're getting better at doing is having, having intel before we make, make a rash decisions. Yeah. Yeah. Um, this shouldn't, I mean, I'm going to say it just because, so it's out there, but just be Get a mobile setup just for this. If if, you, if you're trying to hunt a nocturnal buck, being mobile is gonna increase your odds a thousand percent. Yeah. Just because, like, you don't have to go in there and tear a stand down with sticks or move a ladder stand or something. You can literally go in there and just like you said, especially like when we talked with Jake Bush about hunting early October, go in there and set up sixty yards right off his bed, and then you know, 20 minutes before shooting time, he gets up and walks right into your lap. So yeah, having a mobile setup and getting comfortable with that gear is, is a big factor to hunting, um, nocturnal buck. Yeah, I, I believe so too. And a lot of people hear mobile setup and they think they got to spend a ton of money. And I would say buy the best gear that you can and get really good at using it. Um, I mean, there's so many good brands out there that you can use i've ran hawk you ran lone wolf lone wolf we got some novix we you know we got custom gear we got all kinds of shit and we're from one spectrum to the other and it's just what you want to use and the ease of using it but just buy the best gear you can 
whatever you can afford and make it happen. Like, I mean, I see mobile setups for 200 bucks all the time on Facebook marketplace, you know, or the run and gun, you know, Facebook group, a millennium stand and sticks or something, something that you can make work and you don't have to have the best, of the best, but if you can afford the best of the best, hell get, get the best of the best. Cause if it's something that you're going to be trying to do for, you know, the foreseeable future. Um, and I was, I was talking to Nick the other day about why I like hunting the way we do. And it's cause it's almost like, it's almost like back in the day when you ground hunted with your dad, you know, and you would move 50 yards and set up and sat there for three or four hours. You're always in a new spot. Mm-hmm. You got new scenery. You got to make plans. Um, and that's, I think that is where our fun comes. It's from making the plans and trying to be right, putting the pieces together and trying to be like, Oh yeah, gotcha. You know? And if you have a set stand, you're, you're like, okay, I'm just going to go, I'm going to go over there to this set stand. Cause that's where my stand is. Yeah. Slow hunts you know? in early October can really deter you from hunting yeah. when it's getting good because you've had slow hunts there when, when it's not going to be good because it's not a good, it's not even a good spot for that time of the year. Yeah. And every hunt in an area is, is you're gonna affect deer at some point. Mm-hmm. That's, that's the number one thing, thing that I believe the reason people don't kill giants every year is pressure that they put on their ground. That's, that's the number one thing. It's time and stand and pressure that they put on their ground. The deer, if the deer are there, you know, there's a reason that they change and they're not there now. And most of the time it's human pressure because you get, you get excited, man. You get that big buck on cam. Even if he's nocturnal, you're in there. You're okay. I'm going to move these cameras. You know, you gotta be, you gotta be strategic in your moves and you have to understand that everything has a risk to reward and you have to decide if it's worth it. Cause you could have a buck that you would shoot, you know, that may, maybe, maybe let's say, Bob, throw this scenario at you. You got a buck that's 30 inches smaller, but a solid buck than the one that you got nocturnal. And he's not, he's consistent, but not on a steady pattern. Okay. But if you know, if you go in there and start moving cams, you're going to bump that deer real good chance. You're going to bump that deer. Do you risk it and bump that 30 inch smaller buck? Or do you go in there and hang the cameras hoping that you can get some more Intel on this big deer? You know, it just depends if I would ultimately shoot the 30 inch smaller buck. You know, you don't know that's hunting, man. <laughs> that's, that's a, that's a decision that you have to make. That's why I said the, the number one thing on a nocturnal buck is you got to decide if it's worth, you know, if it's worth putting the bread in the basket or not, you know, mm-hmm. you, you're, you got just like us, you, every year we're like, okay, this buck's really hard to kill. Is it worth going in there and trying to kill him? And most of the time it's hell yes for us, Yeah, but have we missed opportunities on other deer? Absolutely. We've seen it firsthand, you know, <laughs> we've seen it firsthand. Feel real dumb. Yeah. You're doing radical stuff, trying to kill other deer and the mobiles are popping somewhere or you see deer somewhere that you wanted to set up and didn't set up because you wanted to be in the zone. You know, it, it's definitely, definitely tough, but um, you got anything else over there? 
Yeah, I was just going to say, like, so we talked a lot of this episode about bread trailing and using cameras and um, being mobile and getting making a move on the deer as, as so long as, you know, you're getting closer to um, him being daylight. So how do we go about getting cams moved and, like you said, not trying to bump deer and such? Um, we got kind of a, a stash away pile. We got a two or three cams usually hanging around um and it might be on a field edge it might be in the garage it might be in my book bag you know it i don't know it might be a cam we put out and, me- and it was messing up so we brought it about brought it back to the house and got some new batteries in it checked out the card made sure everything was good to go and it's ready to rock again um we're gonna put that camera back out and put it where it where we want to put it when we go hunt um while we're out there hunting Something that um, we're doing more is trading a hunt, per se, for a scouting trip. Um, We've done this more on public than we have our private pieces, but one thing that I really like to have is a camera. 75% of, I would say, our cameras are within shooting range or the pictures of the deer we're going to get are within shooting range of a tree or a couple trees that we're going to be able to hunt out of and shoot that deer. So we get them on camera could have been a dead deer because it's 20 yards from the tree you know so we're not necessarily going in there on our private piece and you know running the whole thing and uh, on october 17th to try to make a move but while we are making a move at the same time we're going to deploy a camera a little bit deeper after we hunt if it's more invasive into um his his bedding so that's just kind of how we are going about deploying the cameras and not trying to put too much pressure in the area so it's only a one trip in and out instead of i'm going in to hunt okay now i didn't see anything so okay three days later i'm going back in there to put this camera up when really you could have just went an extra 60 yards after you hunted after you're already in there and you know okay as far as right now nothing's nothing's here so i just you know get in and get out that's kind of how i i think think about it yeah i think something that we're really we're getting better at is you don't want to waste an opportunity so ah man i'm just you know i'm gonna go hang these cameras in season we always got to stand on our back when we're moving Mm -hmm. because you never know you could go 70 yards the the sign could be incredible there's nothing worse than going, ah, shit, I got to go a mile and a half back to the truck <laughs> to get my stand because I just planned on hanging a cam. Just take it all with you. Take it with you. Have the idea that you're scouting. But if you figure out, okay, man, there's a hell of a sign here. This is kind of in the direction of the travel where this buck that I'm getting nocturnal is, throw a set on that. Don't Don't wait and be like, I'll put a camera on it, and then I'll see if there's anything here. Throw a set at it. Throw a set at it. Get down. Hang the cam. Get out. Make it worth your while. Hopefully, you know, we we're at a we're kind of at a predicament right now. Of do you leave a mobile <laughs> not not in the game, or do you have all your mobile cams in the game? Like it's that's a tough one because yeah. you want that intel right now. But it would be really nice to have a mobile if you had something that was popping. And you found it, and you, boom, now I got a mobile on it. Now I know. I'm going to be hunting the next five days. I seen this hot-ass sign, like that scrape we found on the South Public. Mm-hmm. 
boom, we're on it. We're going to be here for another four days. What we got popping here? Put a camera right okay, on Okay, this, this shit is really good. We need to go in here tomorrow. Like, like that one we got at the house, we might just need to save it. Sit on it? Yeah. Sit on it and have that. That Yeah. Okay, it's, this is one we need to, you know, we want intel right now what's going on. We don't want to come back in here. Yeah, that's what I was also saying is, like, we might put it at just an easy spot to get to. Like, we got the camera out. We feel good about having it out. You know, we might be wasting some batteries, but at least we have the damn thing out. We're not really expecting yeah, high shit of it. Scrape or something you can yeah, drive to. Yeah, it's just some um, bullshit. You know, some yeah. some spot out there. It's just out there. But You got it out there and, so you can get intel and say something crazy happened. Exactly. You know? In 10 minutes, it's an easy-ass grab. Cause you need it, you need it right now, and it's it's either that type of scenario or one that was out in summer, got smoked by ants or something. We brought it back, got it all taken care of, and it's just hanging out now. Now we don't really need to get it out because you know we're we're in season, and we don't need the intel that bad for you know just a bullshit spot because we're not gonna ever hunt there probably. So it's just chilling, and then we're like okay, mm-hmm. and it. I can I can hear an excuse coming of somebody says, well I don't my my bag's full my pack's full I got my camera shit or you know I got a small bag now I just run a fanny pack, just take that uh, take that camera strap and just tie it around you like you're a tree. I do that all the time um, yeah. with with cams or you know when we're if my bag's full just run that thing around you and it it'll hold. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you have it on your hip or yep. like a. Like you're carrying a gun all the time on your on your side there, which it's nice when you're running as many camps as we are. But I think the main the main thing about this episode is if you got a nocturnal buck, don't don't take that buck as I. There's no way I can kill this deer. Put if you really want to kill that deer, put some work in. Maybe that deer is daylight 100 yards away. We've had that happen. It seems impossible, but we've seen it multiple times where that deer, for some reason. It's daylight 100 yards from there, but not daylight at all. We got three mobiles, what, like 200 <laughs> yards away? Shit, I don't know. 100 yards away. Yeah. And he's daylight. Never on those three mobiles daylight. And so you got two of the cameras 60 yards apart on the same trailhead. Like, it's the same yeah. trail. And, They're on and one. The, and he's on their different times. <laughs> yeah. I'm just like, where did you go? There's nowhere. There's nowhere to go. There, there's there's a tree and a cliff. Like yeah. that's all you got to choose from. Yeah. Or the trail. But he's with not the other camera. There. He went to that camera and turned around and went back. Or something. Yeah. I don't know. I, I don't know. See, but and that, that's we know where... it's daylight straight straight north of there. You know, <laughs> yeah. and just crazy and how. But don't don't bank that deer as man. He's you know he's just nocturnal. I'm not gonna hunt him. Um. But you also got to decide if it's worth it or not. Just put the work in, and you'll figure out if it's worth it or not. And, you know, try to wait for those fronts to make a move and just do the best you can. That's about all I got on that. Yeah. Um, all right. That's it, man. Yeah. Episode right, 200 guys, so is a wrap. Yeah. Episode 200. Um, huge thank you to everybody that's supporting us. Um, download numbers have been incredible. You guys are really, really helping us out. Um if you guys are on iTunes, want to leave us a review, that would be awesome. We'd like to hear from you guys. Um, if you got a buck, 
trail cam pictures that you want a little help with, you know, maybe bounce around some ideas. We get that all the time. We love it. We love talking whitetail to you guys. Send it to us. We'll go over the scenario with you and, you know, we'll tell you what we would do. Might be wrong, but hell, at least you get a different, a different opinion on someone. And, uh, you know, <laughs> a lot of people are scared to show trail cam pictures, but hell, I ain't going to Virginia or, any, or Pennsylvania or yeah, right. Ohio anywhere to hunt a whitetail. I got big enough ones right here, you know, to hunt. So, I wonder how many people uh, sit back and are like, man, this is radical as hell. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Some shit. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, we get, like I said, we got 12 a day, like multiple picks. It's just crazy. Um, but it's good to talk to people, you know, bounce back ideas. We do it too. We do it with people that, you know, we look up to as hunting and we, you know, we trust their opinion. We send them pics and say, hey, man, what, what what's the move here? What do you think? Um, it's just cool to get other people's opinion. But don't be afraid to reach out. We're always here. Um, we appreciate you guys listening, tuning in. Um, we love you guys to death. Um, we cannot wait to release this series that we guys got coming. Um, yeah, so I, I was going to say just a, a little bit more detail on that is uh, we should start rolling these out the last weekend or the last week, the last prime rib day of September. Um, we're going to introduce the series on that episode as of right now and uh, let you guys know what it is and what you get to look forward to all half of hunting season yeah and then we also gonna release a bombshell in that episode too yeah that yeah. a lot of our listeners have no idea that's coming so six people on this green earth good... <laughs> yeah yeah there's only yeah there's only like five or six people that know about <laughs> this but it's definitely uh we're super excited this i this has ne- never been done before what we did that i know of We've talked to multiple people and they're really excited for it because it's hopefully something new and exciting that hasn't been talked about on podcasts a lot. And uh, it's going to bring value to a lot of people. I listen to them and I'm like, there's just certain things that are said that make an impact, you know? Yeah. So we're, uh, we keep hinting on that, but you guys are going to love it. Um, like I said, we've been putting in a lot of work to produce it. Uh, the video is awesome. Shout out to Grant for helping us out on that. We'll be releasing that, and uh, that's about it, man. Appreciate uh, appreciate all the downloads and everything you guys been doing. You guys been kicking ass. Season's almost here. Hopefully, you got a target picked out, and uh, you're about to have the season of your life. Like always, always try to do the right thing. Try to leave a legacy, and Whitetail Legacy is out.